What's up? This is Matt Franco. And this is Eric Dittleman. Welcome to Mind Over Magic. All the way from New York to Vegas, we're here for episode 64, and we're glad you're here too. Let's do it. Yeah, welcome to Mind Over Magic. Uh, Matt, how is Vegas? You good? Vegas is good here. What's up in New York? New York is good. Uh, things are feel like they're back to normal and not back to normal at the same time. It's just that we're, we're still in that in-between. We're in that mm-hmm. in-between of are things open, are people hiding in their houses, it's just it's just that unknown. We're we're sort of used to the unknown now. Yeah. But it's uh, getting very unknown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't it feels normal to more normal to me because I've been just doing so many gigs. Uh but I got to be honest, it's nice to be uh, to have been home for a couple days this week and oh, just nice, like yeah. rest and recoup and gear up for another leg of travel coming up, so. Mhm. Yeah. And you've been and you've been to a number of shows I feel like uh as aside from performing shows. Maybe just small things. If, if Broadway's not back yet, what, Bro- where are we at? Broadway is back. It's so funny cuz they did like an official like Broadway's back, but it was because like three of the major shows came back like the same day. But Broadway's okay. been back prior to that. Like there was shows that opened previous to like the big like Wicked's and Lion Kings and and gotcha so it's like yeah it's like Cirque du Soleil claiming Vegas is back because they opened shows but like even though other shows had been open exactly yeah gotcha (laughs) yeah 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 and there's still more to open still so it's not like all of Broadway came back right at once so um, right right but have you been to a show that seats you know hundreds of people seven eight hundred people or has everything that you've attended been smaller and are they at a hundred percent um, smaller, I believe everything's at a hundred percent now, but everything's just requiring vaccination proof of that. They're being really strict on it. Actually, just the other day, um, I didn't know we have like a little New York, uh, vaccination passport that you can have on your phone. And oh, I right. did that right when it was available. And I think they, they were optimistic the pandemic would be over because they put a, uh, like an expiration date on it. And I didn't know mine expired like the day the guy checked it. So he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, you just got in under the wire. And I was like, what? It's, it expires, first of all? So I just had to wow. renew the the pass. Like, the vaccination card doesn't expire. Yeah, but the that's, pass, yeah, that's yeah. weird that it would expire since your vaccination is not expired. Exactly. Yeah. Anywho. So I just had to refresh that, and now I'm, like, good for another year, which shows they're less optimistic that the mm-hmm. pandemic's going to be over in a year. <laughs> Like right, they changed right. the amount of time. So, uh, but I've had to show that they're really strict on checking the dates and your IDs and making sure everyone coming into the, any venues I do go into are, um, are you know, showing that proof of vaccination. But it's still been mostly small. I haven't been to any Broadway yet. I'm trying to go uh, mm-hmm. to some shows. Uh, but I've been in the movie theater. That's that's a lot of people that are, you know, on some of the nights. Is it? I can't recall the last time I've been to a movie theater where there were a lot of people. <laughs> is <laughs> well, that how it is in New York? Well, I went to an advanced screening, so it was kind of okay. packed. So maybe gotcha, I'll, gotcha. we'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, yeah, other than that, you know, it's been small shows and uh, and like comedy events and stuff like that. And for are- the screening, everyone's masked. Yeah, the movies. Yeah. Well, it's so it's so interesting all of this because it's happening with restaurants too. Is like you put on the mask and then you sit down and immediately start eating and take the mask off. <laughs> right, so right. Right. You look around and no one's wearing a mask because they're all eating, you know, popcorn right. or sodas or drinks. Or if you're in a restaurant, it's like, all right, I'm gonna do the performative part of putting my mask on from when I get from the table to the door to leave. You know. At right. The end. Right. It's it's interesting to see how this is all playing out. But I, you know, I'm. I'm pro mask and I'm pro, you know, uh, helping people, you know, out, you know, as we're all trying to navigate this. So, <laughs> yeah, I saw what I think was my first bigger show in a long time. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I probably would have talked about it. <laughs> yeah. If I've been to like other bigger shows. Um, I don't think I have. Well, you would have. It, it would have been if you didn't go to the preview of Usher. But you went to the preview, which was smaller, right? <laughs> it was. It was a friends and family invite. That's right. Yes. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyway, this was more intimate. This was Derek Huff. Are you familiar with Derek Huff? Uh, Derek Huff. Derek Huff. Um, he's the comedy magician that uh, I did a show with and uh, <laughs> helped on your special and is a good friend of ours. I've accidentally referred to him as Derek Hughes many times just in conversation <laughs> with like Tiana, but I believe it's pronounced Huff. Okay. Are you not familiar or you are? This is someone who dances, I think. That's all I How know. How do you know? Yes, I'm impressed. Dancing with the stars, maybe? 
he was on Dancing with the Stars as a dancer for many years. He won many, many times, and now he's been a judge for like the past couple or few years. Gotcha. That's maybe where I've heard the name. It's hard to think of like a dancer, someone who's like strictly a dancer that has a bigger career than Derek Huff. I can't think of one. Right. No, I think, yeah, other than like way, way back when, like, you know, some classic dancers, but yeah, current dancers, I can't think of a single one. <laughs> You also didn't name a classic one. I, I felt like you were reaching, and then you didn't get one. I was I was trying <laughs> to get there, and then I didn't want to say a name that wasn't a dancer. Which further proves my statement. Like a Gene Kelly. But like some of those are like, you know, tap and performers and singers, and they do a bunch. They're kind of like triple threats. The well, that's that the I thing. I, yeah. I saw his show last night. It was his opening night at the Venetian in Las Vegas at the Summit Showroom. And I kind of do feel like he is a little bit of like a – um. In 30 years, he is a Donny Osmond. Do you know what I mean? Like, Donny oh, kind of does it all. He's known yeah. for his singing, but he dances. He's uh, humorous. He's a personality. And Derek kind of does it all. He's kind of good at a lot of things. He plays some instruments. He just does a little of this and that. And obviously, his main thing that he's known for is the dancing. Mm. Yeah. Um, Did he sing? He does do a little bit of singing in the show, which I honestly just kind of expected. Um, oh, yeah. Just like... Just kind of like knowing a little bit about him, following him on social media for the past whatever, I kind of expected that there would be some singing in the show, even though it's not like his main squeeze. This is a, and there was. Um, like a, like a one-man variety show. It's mostly dance. Um, gotcha. Many moments you're watching it, you feel like you're watching Dancing with the Stars in person. Um, his girlfriend was also on Dancing with the Stars and maybe World of Dance and they do a lot of duets together and then there was so there was a cast of six dancers and then a three-piece band um let me give a little background so this was originally going to be a Caesars entertainment show and then something must have happened um I don't know you know pandemic I guess (laughs) something I don't know was there an event this past year and a half (laughs) yeah but it ended up being a, a, a Venetian show but I know some of the Caesar stages they were they were planning to host it on are, are a bit bigger than the actual like the physical stage that's mm. at this Venetian. So it was interesting that it was like a three piece band. Um, I'm sure he would have liked to have more. Oh, so your thing is just about what how many pieces he could fit on the stage? Kind of, because you're gotcha. hearing other instruments in the track, mm-hmm. and that like, but you're only seeing a saxophone, a bass player, and a drummer, which is like a weird three instruments to see. Sure. And it is, well, it could be a budgetary thing too, because the other thing about having backing tracks is you don't have to pay those musicians. In the long run, I'm sure it was an amazing financial decision. But like, if you're on a bigger stage, you also have to fill it. Yeah. Right? Gotcha, and this gotcha. literally filled the stage. For sure. So, so let me tell you about this showroom. Yeah. So you've never been to the Summit showroom? No. This is in the Venetian, you said. It is, okay. and I've actually done a gig on this stage oh, okay. for, a, um, for a corporate event uh, a few years back. Nice. I think it's a nightmare for like a magician because it's mm. sort of half moon. It's like half round, and sure. you've got, the angles are not ideal. The stage itself is not huge, as I've already alluded to, um, but it seats about 700. Mm. Yeah. So, so get this. So it seats more than my theater does, but feels smaller. Oh, it's like more narrow or? Yeah, it's it's super like, it's not wide. And mm-hmm. it just, it's the way it's laid out and the way everything is sort of crammed together. It's a it's a beautiful room in a lot of ways, but it's just, I I don't love it like to perform on it, having, having done it. Right, especially if you're at the edge of the proscenium and you're like center stage. If it arcs, you got then people essentially behind you on yes. the far corners. Right. Yeah, that's tricky, especially for angles for a magician. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The stage is um, small. Like it just feels like uh, even just height wise, um, and mine's not huge either. But it just it, this one feels like uh, it feels like a ballroom converted to a theater or something. Right. But it's raked properly and it's got proper theater seating. But um, and they really do a lot with it. Um, the the, the production was amazing. Derek's amazing. His girlfriend's amazing. The cast was amazing. Really loved loved the show. Um, like I said, it had a good variety. And gosh, do they work their butts off? Mm. Oh my god, I was tired just watching it. I mean, it's unbelievable. The acrobatics. I mean, it's not even acrobats, right? You know what I mean? It's just physical skill. Yeah. Oh, the physical skill. Yeah. So I really enjoyed it. Um, really enjoyed his opening joke right off the bat. Oh my god, it's been so long since we've done a live show. It's so great to see your. F- eyeballs ah that's good 
Um, but yeah, yeah, it was a it was a really enjoyable experience. We decided to go on a whim, like, oh, it's that opening night. It's our night off. Let's go. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm trying to tie it back into like magic too, because I I love hearing about the different stages and the different kind of uh, challenges. Uh, do, have you ever performed in the round? Yes. Yeah, that's its own mm-hmm. challenge. So it's like you're you, at least you're you're not in the round if you're on that stage. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so okay so that's interesting and do, are there any strategies and tips I feel like we might have talked about this at some point but yeah just like when you have a stage like that what what is your go to from a magic perspective on how to deal with it like how did you deal with that stage when you were doing your corporate um I I stood really far upstage mm. <laughs> there when I had to yeah and anytime that I was doing something that didn't require mm-hmm. me to do that I stood very far downstage I love like <laughs> from a mad in, magic in the know perspective of just like watching your show and then be like oh Matt's moving upstage <laughs> I feel like feel like the angles are tough on this one and then oh right. he's down here it's more free and <laughs> just kind of gauging it that way that's funny well, sometimes it's not like, oh, the angles, like, oh, if I do this over here, you're going to see something you're not supposed to see, which is like a common misconception. Right. It's not just that. It's also, if I'm not standing far upstage enough, you're not going to see, you're not going to have a good vantage point of what's happening. Yeah, your body might be blocking it in a certain way. I'm thinking about like your card manipulation too, because like that's happening from the side of your body almost uh, with yeah. your hand next to you. So if you're just even angling your back towards half the audience it's blocking the production so they can't see that magic is happening it's and a I think huge mistake yeah for to magic make. to work you need to see that it's happening yes i agree <laughs> with that um one of the biggest tips that like i feel like everyone ignores but jeff mcbride talks about in his you know famous card manipulation uh vhs tapes now dvds now probably downloads are uh, illegal streams or whatever people no, are doing. Don't illegally stream it. <laughs> don't Support do that, Jeff. Yeah. Yes, of course. Um, is is practice with your shoulder blade shoulder blades against a wall. Oh yeah. Wow. So that you, you know your your shoulder is not turning and blocking half the audience view. But um, I have learned that uh, card manipulation simply looks better if you're right handed and you're doing um, like Cardini single productions or split fans. It's going to look better if you're sitting house left. Hmm. Even if you're, even if the person is doing, the performer is doing a great job of keeping their shoulders where they're supposed to be, you just have a better vantage point if you're sort of directly in front of that hand. If you're on house right, you can still see it, but it's just not the same. Uh, it just looks a little bit different, and it's not as ideal. The further upstage the performer goes, the more likely their vantage point is to be more front on. This is, um, I want every one of your future audiences to listen to this episode and get that hot tip and then all of your audiences from now on to be skewed to house left only (laughs) buying tickets house left people just refusing to even sit on house right so it's just empty (laughs) it sounds like some shows i've done recently Uh (laughs) it's covid yeah i mean it's just the case i mean it's a lot of no shows now too do you notice that People buy tickets and don't show up. I mean, because of oh, their really? travel plans get canceled. Oh, oh I yeah. don't know that. Yeah, wow. Yeah, no, that's happening all the time. A lot of mine aren't ticketed. You know, that's just you know, sure, whoever sure. shows up for the show. You know, gotcha, gotcha. So, so you well, I don't know if don't you've really been to know. shows where you may have noticed it too, but I guess you wouldn't know if they were right. You know, sold seats or not. The um, the other thing I want to talk about uh, tying into the Derek Huff stuff is uh, the dancing element can come into play for magic in a way and like famously i know like copperfield took dancing lessons uh Uh have you thought about dancing lessons or how that can apply to your show no (laughs) okay just a flat out no but you know why like copperfield took dance lessons yeah i would do it for fun though like it looks really fun oh okay if dancing with the stars calls i'm there all right well you're here here first folks which which by the way I don't think I'd be very good at because I've realized I, at last night I realized I've never watched couples dancing, which is what Dancing with the Stars is, which is what Derek is known from. Right. Like salsa and like obviously there are tons of different types of like couples dancing. I don't even know if that's what it's called. Is it couples dancing? Is that or what like it's called? Ballroom dancing. Ballroom dancing. Yes, yeah. that's a big part of it. But like I realized my exposure to to ballroom dancing is Rick Thomas. 
Well, <laughs> That's another, where it starts and ends. Another magician who's doing <laughs> dance stuff. So obviously, I guess it's a different style, right? Because if you're doing the big illusions, like a lot of it is as you're putting, you know, someone in a box, you're, you're trying to fill and make it more magical. So there's a lot of dancing elements that go in between. Is that mm -hmm. why these illusionists do dance lessons? Yeah, um, I think they all do it because Copperfield did it, right? That's probably why. You're right. <laughs> um, although, although there were dance, there was definitely a dance element in Doug Henning's work, and I'm sure mm -hmm. work before that uh, that we're just not thinking of off the top of our heads here. But I think it's kind of such an essential part of like theater, right? Right. Dance is like goes, it's hand in hand with theater. Of course. Well, you think of like the big Broadway musical numbers and the dance breaks and everything like that. So if you're on the stage, a lot of magicians were looking, what are people seeing on a stage? And it's, you know, Broadway musical style. And so they're like, how do we emulate a lot of that show production or that, that element into our theater show to make it almost, it almost feels like magicians are always trying to raise the status of their art by stealing elements from other art just to be like, we're cool too. Like, don't disrespect us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, let's dive into this. This is the million dollar question that everybody wants to know. And I think Derek Huff is a great example. And you know his sister, too? She was a judge on America's Got Talent briefly, oh, recently. Yeah. Julianne. Yeah. Just just making the connecting those dots in gotcha. case you hadn't yet. Yeah, no, I definitely hadn't. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> they are brother and sister. Um, she is also a dancer, I believe, maybe dancing with the stars. Do they dance together? I'm sure they grew up dancing together. Gotcha. Gotcha. Anywho. How does one go? This is really interesting, right? How does one go from like being a, a successful dancer to just boom, all of a sudden they can just appear places as a personality? Oh, that's it. That's right. That's he went question. from he went from not one of the stars, quote unquote, on Dancing with the Stars. Mm -hmm. He was one of the the castmates, essentially, that dances with the quote unquote stars. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's say you're um, an NFL player or. Um, you're on a sitcom, whatever, and you get cast on Dancing with the Stars. They they pair you with an actual experienced dancer. Right, yes. Whether your background is dance or not. Yes, I understand. And he was one of those and did really well on the show. Now he's a judge on the show. Let's talk about that success um, trajectory. That's amazing. I think it's anything with, you know, showbiz. It's that it factor and talent and like you get recognized for the hard work you're putting in. So I think it, it's the hustle, too, I'm sure. You know, it's it's one of the one of the best uh, things I learned about showbiz is like uh, uh, your your dreams, quote, dreams come true when the opportunity comes up and you're prepared to fulfill that opportunity. Right. So uh, everyone talks about the big break in showbiz and that could happen at any moment. And it's just kind of random sometimes when that opportunity comes up. But the dedication and preparedness and all the, the work you put in goes into play when that opportunity happens so that you can actually fulfill that opportunity, I think. So I think that's probably the case uh, with anyone who's gained any success. But what we're talking about here is sort of branching out from like their normal bread and butter. Well, that's I mean, a weird jump to make. To from dancing to judging dancing. I ah mm, <laughs> uh, well, you have a point. But yes, you have a point. But yes, because it is a very different. I mean, you're going from physically doing something to just straight up talking head personality, right? Right. Well, it's like anything. If you watch the Olympics this year or Kelly anything Clarkson. like that, Olympics have you know whoever was good in the sport would comment on it, so that people who are not used to the sport would know whether people are doing the sport well, you know, or like giving insider tips and so forth. They're doing that color commentary. So I think I think that's a natural progression. Uh, progression. You see all the football players going on to these, you know talking head shows to talk about football because it's what they've done their whole lives, you know? So I think yes. that is kind of a, I, that's not a leap to me, but to then go from a larger personality, like you're saying, like Kelly Clarkson to doing her own talk show and, and so forth, right. something like that. And just being a personality. So, oh, I, I think, think you that, just answered it. I think that comes with, uh, with, uh, just, you know, that level of, um, of notoriety fame. and so yeah, on. But exactly. I think you just, I think you just touched on something really interesting. Um, because I was thinking, you know, 
it, it you don't go necessarily in most cases probably from Kelly Clarkson to talk show. You go from Kelly Clarkson, who's a singer, to mm-hmm. a judge on The Voice, judging, singing, mm-hmm. to now people are seeing her in this different light. Yes. Um, okay, let's see if she can do a talk show, right? So I think what we're talking about in our field is the equivalent of like being typecast. Yeah, and, and it's, it, it's slowly expanding that box that people put you in into that typecast, right? So it's, right. you can't just make large leaps because then it doesn't make sense in people's minds. But the right. more people see you and the more other projects, they're like, oh, this is a little little bit out of your comfort zone. Let's see how you do there. It's it's kind of like when I talk about AGT, in my experience, is like people are like, oh, you're just going to instantly become, you know, a Vegas superstar like you are. Uh, but, uh, but it's like, uh, no, I always say it just opens doors, but then you still have to prove yourself in those new doors as they open up. And I think so that's the true. case. Yeah, with, uh, with a lot of these opportunities. And that's why I'm saying is opportunities will arrive and sometimes it seems random that they come up but you still have to have experience and then knock it out of the park when they come so so in your mind because you know before we jumped on this podcast we were talking about uh the idea of having a niche and and talking about what our niche is what what value we're providing into who with this Mm -hmm. podcast right and you could talk about the same thing with um a tiktok account or an instagram account or um, whatever it is that you want to be able to provide for people. Who the audience is, yeah. Yeah, who the audience is. And so I think what you might be saying is like the way people progress is to really niche down, though. It's like, in other words, you don't land that, uh, that, that judging dance gig without really proving yourself to be an accomplished dancer. Right. It's weird because it's also at the same time you're kind of branching out, right? <laughs> That's so the thing. You're niching, niching down. Niching, niching down. I feel like niching down is a thing. I don't know if that's is a that phrase. A, I don't know if it is because I almost said like <laughs> Nietzsche, which is a whole different <laughs> thing. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I think it's better to become specialized in something that that yeah. you can really focus in on, and yeah. then kind of expand from there. Because a lot of people, like when you're a general practitioner, I mean, it's one of the reasons I'm you know, got into just mentalism rather than just being into just a general magic performer or whatnot. You know, you have right, your specific right. style. And uh, like, I was like, I just want to become the best mentalist and focus on just these types of effects. Because also a lot, of, a lot of other reasons go into that as well that just fit my personality and style and everything like that that matched who I was already. But right. I wanted that to be a good match. So it's just me. And it's just not like, a, oh, I can do everything. You know, you see those business cards with like i'm available for birthdays bar mitzvahs hypnosis weddings funerals mentalism just, magic hypnosis give me give me your just give me your money i'll do it you know yeah <laughs> like, right right like, that just feels no, it's so true like the jack of all trades kind of thing is like it's that saying i'm your master of none you know so, well it, and it's alluring it's alluring right. like i i feel myself being drawn to different things that like i would like to be good at right yeah, yeah. And I think it's important to not necessarily give in to those temptations sometimes. Yeah, but it doesn't mean you can't explore those and see what does fit. And like you're saying, slowly expand that box so that you are, you know, branching out eventually. You really do have people that are jacks of all trades as well. Um, And I referred to him as one in my AGT audition, but Nick Cannon. Like, he does stand up. Right. I've never seen it. Have you seen him do stand up? Uh, I think I've caught one of his specials. Oh, right. Yeah, he had specials and stuff. I, I, I've i never seen him in person, mm-hmm. um, but I know he does stand-up. I know he does, you know, well, he has a talk show coming out, a daytime talk show. He's done tons of hosting. Before that, he was doing a lot of acting. Um, I'm not even sure how he started, what his first thing was. Was it acting as a kid? <laughs> yeah, I just, I think, I think he came on my radar with Drumline, the movie. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. But Nickelodeon before that? Possibly, yeah. Um, And then he has like... um a radio show and music stuff that he does. So it's really interesting to like see how people kind of go about. And is he just doing whatever it is that he's drawn to, whatever uh, cre- uh, creatively excites him? Probably. Yeah. Now here's the thing too, is because I think some of this is developing this story. And I think a lot of people on uh, 
on like social media or whatnot or kind of have this in the back of their mind when they're doing social media too is like how do i build this fame or notoriety and they're trying to get that exposure right and that level as well and i wonder how much of it is the hustle to one build that fame get the followers all this stuff on social media that people are doing or two just doing the content and doing the good work and then hope those opportunities come and then just like delivering when they happen, like I'm saying, or is it a combination of two, the hustle and the talent? I don't know the answer to this. <laughs> the question is, is it a combination of the hustle and the talent? Well, I think that's the answer, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting to see that explore the two elements of how much is hustle and how much is like just do the good work and then see what comes from it, you know? I 100%. And what you just said resonates because I think one of the more memorable parts of the show last night, Derek Huff sits on a stool and just kind of quiets things down and, and talks kind of heart to heart with the audience a little bit. And he talks about um, sort of uh, just a genuine words about being floored about seeing his face on taxis or billboards in, in Vegas. I guess his mom, he said his mom lived in Vegas for 20 years. So I don't, it's unclear like at what point that was, if he ever lived here or mm -hmm. if it was like before he was born, it's, it's unclear. But he said his mom lived here for tw in Vegas for 20 years and used to bring him to shows when he was a kid. So it's surreal to sort of um, be doing a, a, a residency in Vegas. And he went on to say that the sentiment was, and I hope I can get this right, one, because I'd like to get it right for you and the listeners, but two, because I also want to be able to remember it right? because <laughs> I really liked it. It was to the effect of it's not about what you achieve or what success you achieve or get to, uh, what awards you win or any of that, but the human that you become along the way. Right. There you go. And I loved that. that and it's so good. true, though. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I really believe that. It's part of the process. Now, what's interesting here to talk about, do you think entertainment has to have these messages in it now these days? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, we're just looking at hot off the heels of an AGT winner who was all about his messaging, motivational uh, speaking, essentially. Yeah. And I mean, I think it adds elements and depth when you're seeing a live performer having these moments. But like, do, do you think that's important to have some sort of motivational frame? And do you have one in your show, Matt? Are you thinking about putting one in at the end? Um, well, here's the thing. Um, do I think it needs to have something motivational? No. Do I think it needs to have some sort of message outside of whatever like immediate art people think they're going to see? Yes. And you have a subtext in your show. I think so. Yeah, of... I don't intentionally make it motivational, but I'm sure people walk out feeling motivated at times or feeling touched at times or feeling inspired at times, even though it's not um like spoon fed right because you're not going out and blatantly being like here is the theme and the message i'm trying to create right. but right. you're telling your story which is inspirational of how you started as a magician at a young age and now you made it all the way to vegas which is a you know a success story and people like that seeing that success but I do believe people need substance. I do believe that it was important to go to last night's show and get more than dance, right? Because I believe dance encapsulates more than the physical movements. There, there's emotion that, that mm -hmm. can be evoked. And I'll give you one of my favorite segments was actually uh, just an interstitial bit that was really meant for uh, so they could go change costumes. So Derek could go change, which they sure. do really fast, by the way. It might as well have been quick change. I mean, it was really great. <laughs> well, when you start combining elements, there you go, right? Yeah, let's just talk about it. the costumes were amazing, by <laughs> okay, the way. Great. You know what? And to their credit, the production wasn't crazy. I want to point this out because I have huge respect for someone like a stand-up comedian that just goes up there with nothing mm -hmm. and can just control the room for an hour, hour and a half or whatever it is, or even 20 minutes. I'm just so... Um, the, the admiration is through the roof for me. Like I admire right. it so much. Mm -hmm. uh, and this dance show, yes, the costumes were amazing. Um, the lighting was perfect for what it was, but like the production elements weren't crazy. There was a ladder at one point and some chairs and some big right. drums that they beat on, but it wasn't, it, the point is, and that's to the performer's credit, they were the show. Right, right. So right, I want to point right. that out. Absolutely. And one of my favorite moments was one of the smaller moments, um, and there were just three people on stage, the cast members, uh, two male dancers, one female dancer. And there was uh, a song playing that the lyrics had something to do with uh, which one, sh you know, you don't love me or you love him instead, basically. And there was this 
choreography where she was sort of going back and forth between these two guys. Gotcha. Um, and they're fighting over her basically. Mm, and you could yeah. just feel them wearing their hearts on their sleeves. Oh, and wow. um, it was one of my favorite segments in the show. So it wasn't inspirational necessarily, but we all felt it. We all right. were told a whole story. Um, even without the lyrics of the song, we all knew exactly what was being communicated. Uh, and it was one of my favorite pieces. It's almost as if that what we could take from this is you should use whatever craft or art form you're focused on to uh, project uh, some sort of uh, essence of human experience throughout. Uh, I guess I, I'm just literally describing what an artist is. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. No, but it's easy to forget that the yeah. point of view is really important. So like a lot of times we're working on magic or if you're into whatever it is you're creating, like um, whoever's listening, sometimes you forget the most important thing we can add to it is our own point of view. Right, exactly. It's very easy to overlook that because you get caught up in the dance steps. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You get caught up in the, the technique of where your pinky break is and how good your double lift looks or how great your method is with your, you know, yeah, envelopes. There's no methods. <laughs> right? What are you talking No about? methods. <laughs> but it's very easy to get caught up in that. And I always have to remind myself, oh, what am I saying here? What, what, it, what do right, I think about this right. as, a, as, a, as a performer? Like, what is my... Point yeah. of view. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'll tell you what I won't be doing um, is dancing anytime soon because I had an injury this week, Matt, <laughs> during a show. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, I just feel like this is not going to be a serious injury, is it? it? It was. I actually hurt myself pretty bad. I had to take it easy. I got through the show, but boy, was I in pain. Did uh, people know? The audience didn't know. The venue did because it was a situation. It was a private gig. And uh, they had a stage that was fairly tall, like one of these platform stages, right? So it mm -hmm. took me a little effort to get up on stage. And I realized I was going to be performing. This was a high school, 50th high school reunion. So people are, what, 68 plus years old? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, if I'm having trouble getting up on this stage, the audience is going to have trouble getting up for my show. So I was mm -hmm. like, we're going to need some sort of step to make it easy. But there was no steps, so the venue and I tried to figure out some makeshift steps, which is never a good idea, <laughs> right? Ooh. So finding various stools, and at one point we tried pots and pans. And which means the there's no railing. There's no railing, of course, <laughs> right. Because there aren't even real steps. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I, you know, as once we thought we had a viable option, I just went up on stage to do my final prep work and then as I was walking off stage I stepped on the step and it slid and I fell got a big gash in my shin and then also rolled my ankle mid-show uh, or before no the show? this is prior to the show oh. luckily and luckily it was me and not one of my audience members right 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 but and I'm glad I essentially tested it out to show it wasn't working <laughs> So I was just at that point, I was like, no, we're not going to have any step, no makeshift step. I'd, I'd prefer to have just struck the whole stage, but it looked like one of these stages that would have taken, like, took hours to disassemble. Right. Right. So I was like, I will literally just help everyone I can up on stage and like mm -hmm. give them a hand. And I, that, that's how we did it. So I was like, I'd rather have the sturdy floor for them to leap off of or to step off of rather than nothing or the, the shaky um, makeshift stuff. So, but I took a fall, man, and uh, I didn't think I'd be injuring myself reading minds. But uh, you know, when, when it comes to stages, you got to be careful and and figuring that stuff out. But no stitches, no stitches, just just a little little hurt. Uh, but I'll I'll heal, and I'm I'm back on my feet again. I I was glad I had a couple days off to just like literally lay down, and do nothing. Blood? A little bit, a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, mostly so the rolled ankle. So you're not just ankle. being dramatic about this. It's mostly the rolled angle. An yeah. Angle. Ankle. Yeah, it's mostly the rolled ankle that was tricky. But again, the adrenaline of the show, sometimes it's crazy how that works. Is like, I was walking fine during the show, but then it really hits you after when you're like coming down off the, the high of performing. Oh, right. Right? Yeah. yeah, you're on your feet the whole time, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm walking around doing my act. So they enjoyed it. They didn't know any different. The the audience who showed up, mm -hmm. you know, after, but, uh, you know, just me and the venue. And the venue, by the way, and not their fault at all. They were like some of the kindest and most 
amazing people because they were working with me because there was other stuff with the writer that wasn't exactly right and they were just like helping me out to make the show possible to begin with right because <laughs> if it weren't for the venue and the manager there i don't think we would have been able to even pull off that show uh, mm -hmm. so uh so it was it was a battle sometimes there's a battle before that the audience is even aware of happening <laughs> before they get to see the show part <laughs> have so. you never taken a fall mid-show don't think mid show, no. Wow, not that I, have I can at least think of. three. At least three that come to mind. Oh, how do you? How, well, one, the audience obviously sees it. Yes, they do. Uh, that's what I mean. I mean, it happens in front of the audience, wow. not backstage mid show or something. But yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, one was at a college that was very memorable because the stage was. This was in like a. Uh, oh gosh, I can't remember what state I was in, but um, it was one of those stages that is uh portable it's a cafeteria show type thing right and it was hollow and wooden mm. so the thud i mean it didn't even hurt but the thud right. was just insane yeah. just the noise so um yeah that was one then i have two good ones in vegas one was i was in the audience and running back up to the stairs and i tripped up the stairs oh yeah I think I've probably done that. I think oh, that you there's have. like some Oh, this like... was into a somersault. <laughs> oh, you you recovered nicely. It's on video. I don't think it's as nice as I'm making it sound. Well, if you had the dance <laughs> training, you could have yeah, pulled that Yeah, if I had the off. training. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then the third one was recent. I fell down the stairs at my show. Oh, yikes. And it sounded a lot worse than it was. Everyone, the crew after, you know, oh my God, are you okay? But I, I, I totally didn't get hurt at all. Like nothing wow. got hit on my body. But it was sort of, I did like a dramatic yell and I'm wearing a microphone. So that was loud. And <laughs> I guess there was a thud involved as well, but it didn't hurt luckily. So I've had my fair share of uh, yeah. embarrassing falls on stage, but luckily none of them were ever like actually um, super painful. Right. Yeah. I am sure it's happened to me too. And especially like depending on the size of the stage that I'm on. And if it's one of those platform stages, like when I'm doing my uh, chairs at the end, that fills the whole stage and I'm trying to get away. Like we're talking about angles so the audience can actually see what's happening. So sometimes right. I'm at the very edge and I'm like really slipping off. And like, I don't think I've actually fell, but I've definitely come close. And even during my blindfold, I make a joke about how like, I'm going to use the mic stand as an anchor point so I don't start to wander around the stage. But if I do get towards the edge of the stage, you know, just let me know. That'd be nice. You know, right, because right. Of course, I can yeah. only picture, you know, just stumbling and getting close to the ledge and whatever like that. So there's definitely perils when it comes to performing. You have to really be aware where you are on the stage, which gets harder and harder to do when it's someone like me who has a different stage almost every night, or as mm -hmm. you, at least you know, you can kind of have in your sense memory of where the boundaries of your stage are because it's the same stage from night to I night. I did jump on a different stage this weekend. Did you? Yeah, uh, for an event here in Vegas, something put on by the Las Vegas Visitors, something LVCVA is the acronym. And I did about five minutes uh, among some other performers. There was a Cirque du Soleil segment and a... And uh, that was cool. It was cool to get on, jump on stage, uh, not to delve too deep into something uh, as we're going to eventually get into our trivia and riddles here, but mm -hmm. it was one of those events where you have to kind of get the audience and hook them in because there's a lot of things going on. There is sort of uh, hors d'oeuvres and food and specialty drinks and sort of like giveaways and all these sorts of things happening. Right. Um, where it's one of those gigs where you're happy you're doing just five minutes because you can bring them in for that long and that might be about it. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> then the um, attention's diverted again. Yeah. Do you have tricks for that? Uh, sometimes you just got to power through. That's my trick. Is like, yeah. Because sometimes it's hard to even pull that attention to. Like, I, I'll try and get whoever's introducing me to get people to focus in as much as possible first. And mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the first line of defense. And then two, if you could do something loud or flashy or whatever, just to pull that attention back towards you. Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. I've definitely done gigs where I've been on the intro. They've talked through the whole intro. They talked through the whole, you know, person trying to quiet everyone down. And they're like, and now you're a performer. And they just don't stop talking. And then you're just kind of like, well, I'm getting paid regardless. So I'm just going to power through, do my set. And if they, people who watch will tell me they enjoyed it. And those who did not have any interest will just do whatever they wanted to do. Which, Certain environments just aren't conducive to what mm -hmm. we do. I mean, it almost doesn't matter who you have up there. Like you could have put, you know, Right. Name a comedian that's, uh, you know, whoever has been around for 30, 40 years, you put them up there, it's still going to be a more difficult gig because the timing is just different. 
Yeah. Right. And I there's think just for a lot of those at, like those types of performances, it's like anything that talks is gonna just immediately fail. So it's like at that point, if you're an event planner, like put an aerial act or put like something just people can watch and passively enjoy rather yeah. than having to pay attention. <laughs> So this wasn't like the worst case scenario. Most people were seated. It was, you know, round table. So not everyone's facing the right way, but it wasn't like worst case scenario of like, you know, right before you go on, they call everyone to the buffet line. You know what I mean? It wasn't like that bad, (laughs) but also it would have been better suited for what you're talking about, what we call ambient entertainment. Yes. Yes. Aerialist. Maybe you do a BMX thing. Maybe you do Mm -hmm. a something to music, maybe even maybe even just live music, something right. that's sort of ambient that people can um, enjoy without... Ha- magic is even worse than just like standard intellectual things because it requires, in order for you to be impressed by magic, you have to be 100% paying attention. If you look away, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it's just, oh, well, he probably took it from his pocket. Yeah. Well, if you were looking, you would have seen that that wasn't what we did. You could have <laughs> palmed an elephant. Right, right. As as the saying goes sometimes. (laughs) With that said, I do have a couple of tips. Sure, yeah. Um, I noticed myself doing call and response quite a bit in these types of situations where it's da-da-da-da-da, yeah? And you get the audience to respond back, yeah, or whatever. And and in these types of situations, you might not get a really strong yeah the first time. Mm -hmm. So I'll go, everyone at the same time, yeah? And the second one will be a little stronger. Now, I don't recommend going to a third or fourth time really pushing. No matter how bad the second Mm -hmm. one is, Mm -hmm. I think you got to cut your losses there. (laughs) But call and response with getting them to do something as a group is uh, usually... Will will be somewhat effective. Um, and the that other thing comes is- from just like even we saw that with uh, you know the uh, the Wall Street po- protests or anything kind of like the one voice. If you you're literally amplifying your voice using everyone in the crowd to get mm-hmm. on board. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's 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 an effective technique. Yeah. Right. I mean, and it could be anything as simple as "Are you ready for a good time?" Yeah, and you get everyone to respond. That's one. Um, and then another one, which I didn't take my own advice on this because it wasn't really necessary, but I have done this in other situations is if you can perform to music, mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. If there's mm-hmm. a piece that you have that you can do to music, do it. I mean, I think I've had situations where I've taken things that I normally do dialogue to and I've never done to music, but I said, this is a situation where this is going to be done to music. Right. You know, right. so there are those that, you know, that's just a. A second tip. I'm not. I'm sure there are more too. Maybe to work the room, not just stay on stage. Um, but that wasn't necessary in this case. Yeah, because I mean, even we did we ever talk about here the uh, the House of Blues show we did? I don't think we've ever talked about it. <laughs> I mean, it, again, that wasn't probably the worst scenario, right? It was more the setup of the room, right? It because wasn't ideal. They didn't even Okay, so this is way back in Boston, the foundation room at the House of Blues, and a friend put together a variety show and had me and you when we were kind of just like well before, you know, we were just entering the college market at that time. I think we I were barely full-timers at this time. Yeah, I think you know? so. But uh, you know, I'm headlining or I was not headlining cuz we were trying to figure out the order, but I I ended up going last. But we put you on earlier just to kind of save the show because I remember it was just like the timing was all off. There was a lot of like it, it dragged. Sta- it started with a band for an hour, yeah, <laughs> which was a weird choice. And yeah. then then every performer before us was going over their time. The audience, the couches weren't even facing the stage; they were facing to the sides. But right. that was your first instinct was to get off stage and go into the crowd. And I think you did your cards across in the middle of the audience to get everyone's focus back. Absolutely. Yeah. Why stand on stage if that's the right direction no one is facing? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And also the stage seemed to be in the darkest part of the room. Like, yes, no I was going to say it was very dark. Because <laughs> I remember like trying to get them to move the stage to be under like the one sconce that was like had some light just to have right. sort of a spotlight feel to it. But uh, yeah, man, that was a that was a tough show. I remember my opening line when I came on was like, oh, I'm Eric Dillman. I'm a mind reader. I know what you're thinking. When the hell is the show going to end? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it's well, four hours at that point. <laughs> well, here's the thing. And, and I don't think I'm really at fault for the show dragging. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take no. credit for that. However, however, 
I did. I think you might have gone on right after me. Not a hundred percent. Maybe I went no, on earlier. There was, a, there was an act between us. There yeah, was an act between us. Okay. I think we like lost you said, they drew again. me in earlier to try to bring them back. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I was looking to you for like, cause obviously mm. our sets are flexible, right? I could skip yeah. a bit. I could do anything I want and make it five minutes longer, five minutes shorter, two minutes, whatever. Yeah. And I looked at you and you did the, like basically like for timing reference. Yeah. Like in other words, do I need to, stretch this longer or should I stop? And you gave me like this finger gesture that I thought meant keep going, but it was wrap (laughs) it up. (laughs) Yeah. Wrap it up is usually like in a circle. Stretch is usually like pulling. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nonetheless, I misinterpreted the cue. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll do this last bit then, which believe me, I didn't want to do. I thought you were telling me to do it. You still came on time. That was the thing is everyone else kind of went over their time. Right. And right. then I went on and I was like, well, I don't want to drag this out because the audience, I'm already losing. I had some people there to see me and they had to sit through like three hours before they yeah, probably. saw me hit the stage. Right. And I was just like, all right, I got to do like two pieces. I think I shortened my set. I think I did like maybe 15 minutes and I was supposed to do like 25, 30. Or yeah, whatever. I don't know. I mean, I just can't imagine anyone doing 30 after the four hour pre-show. I know. I know. And then, <laughs> but, but, but my strategy when it comes to situations that are awkward and tough to do is that opening joke I told was to call the elephant in the room because if you acknowledge it, then at least the audience knows you're aware and then they get back on your side so that's oh, right that's as much as they tip. can yeah exactly exactly so they're like oh at least he's aware of how we're feeling <laughs> in that situation so. elephant in the room i feel like is always a good thing to call out it's like mm-hmm. hey always good to great to see your smiling eyeballs it's the same thing isn't right it? right exactly so that you're all you're all aware and that's why you go see live entertainment is because you know that's anything could happen and you, you address any mishaps or whatever that go on so mm-hmm. i think it's time matt that we get into diddle me this diddle me this diddle me that will eric end up stumping matt riddles no. yeah and we got more to talk about after riddles and trivia but let's get to our riddle i'll keep this one a shorter one but we'll see how you do lose me once i'll come back stronger lose me twice i'll leave forever what am I? Are you saying lose or ooze? Lose with an L. Lose me once, I'll come back stronger. Lose me twice, I'll leave forever. What am I? A pimple? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes you pop it prematurely so it like grows a little friend and it comes back, but That's usually that only gross. happens. Oh, totally, but it's you pick the you you pick the riddle, not me. If you lose it twice, it's it'll leave forever. Usually, That's not true. it's like it's like no snow, no two snowflakes are the same, right? Like when the pimple goes away for good, it's it's gone. Even if you get another one, I'm gonna I'm gonna immediately just do that. <laughs> uh, lose me once, I'll come back stronger. Lose me twice, I'll gone forever. I'll leave forever. Yeah, I'll for, leave forever. Same forever. It, you could it could be gone forever. Consciousness. Oh, weird. Uh, that's not necessarily true because the, the twice factor does is is an accurate number. Because like, if you lose your consciousness twice, you could lose consciousness more than twice. Look at all these football players. That's uh, true. <laughs> um, but it's something like consciousness. It's something intangible, isn't it? I would say your first guess was actually closer. Okay. <laughs> Um, lose me once and I'll come back stronger. A cold? Mm, again, it's very specific to once and twice. Like, that's accurate. Like, I feel like a cold, I mean, you've had many colds. You've had more than two. You've lost a cold multiple times. The vaccination pass on your phone. <laughs> I hope that comes back after I lose <laughs> after it again. the expiration. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, the stick to your face. You were close with your, like, face. Not vision, not hearing, not words, not smell. Can't be the senses, I don't think. Hair. Um, lose me, it doesn't come back when you lose it? If you shave it. (laughs) But then if if you shave it, it comes back stronger. But then if you're gone again, uh, it's gone forever? Well, yeah, so basically what you do is you shave it and it comes back stronger than you laser it gone forever. (laughs) 
but you can you can uh you can shave your head more than once. You can in theory, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. I really don't have it. What's related to hair? That's near your face. You've been watching these true crime shows. What do they what do they check? DNA. <laughs> they check the hair samples, they check sweat. What, what kind of records? Teeth. Uh, <laughs> wow, dental. Yeah. Okay, that was a good one. So if you lose your teeth, it's a baby tooth. It comes back stronger. But yeah. Then when you lose it, it's gone forever. Yep. That's it's a good the, one. That's it. All right, let's jump into a trivia. Matt picks up the question, then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready. Time to use his wit. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Trivia, pressure, trivia. We have more to get into, so I'm going to give you a true or false, unless you say otherwise, because I have options. True or false? True or false. Let's do it. You can sneeze in your sleep. True or false? Uh, From personal experience, I feel like this is false. I don't think you can. Can you sneeze in your sleep? I feel like, I I don't think so. I'm going to say false. Now, when you say from personal experience, I'm just curious. (laughs) If you're asleep. By the very nature of sleeping, you're not conscious of whether or not you've sneezed throughout I the night. I feel like that would wake me up, right? Okay. I mean, if a sneeze is waking you up, does that count as I think you're, while you're sleeping? I don't know. I don't know. You're awake when you're... All right. You've had sleepovers over the years, I'm sure. Have you heard people sneeze in their sleep? No. So you're locking in false as your final answer? But the way you're phrasing this makes me want to switch, but I'll stay with false. Is it false? It's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. All right. <laughs> that, that's interesting. Yeah, because I feel like it's like a, there has to be some sort of conscious element. Otherwise, there's so much in the dust going around. Anyway, I'm just trying, trying to wrap my head around all that stuff. Um, we sort of teased this earlier. Uh, I went to a movie premiere. Uh, it's going to be out, I think, probably soon, a couple weeks, if not out already. But I saw the uh, Dear Evan Hansen movie. Do you know anything about the sh- the Broadway play or musical it's based off of? Not familiar with this. All right. I won't go into spoilers of the ending. I have some issues with the ending. And I won't go into the... Uh, there's a big controversy about Ben Platt, who's playing a high schooler, and he kind of looks like he's 30. Uh, so there's that whole element of the movie. Uh, I will say I enjoyed the movie. I had never seen the the show so I was getting a lot of the plot for the first time watching the movie, and I will just address the age controversy uh, briefly. I think if you can get past that he looks 30 for some of the movie with the, when the story sur- surpasses that, I think it's really, really good. I he think looks you can do 30, that. but he's supposed to be older? He's supposed to be a high schooler. Oh, got it. Got yeah, it, okay. yeah, yeah. And I think there's two things. They could have cast the rest of the cast to be, you know, also that age, so they were all like kind of like a 9012 uh, – 90210 kind of situation where they're all much older playing high schoolers, so they always right. match. But they kind of cast him against people who looked like they were high schoolers, so he right. just kind of stands out. So I was like, either cast the lead to match the, the high school age or cast everyone else to match the lead's age. Yeah, uh, sure. But they cast him because he originated the role on Broadway and Got all it. this stuff. So uh, anyway, um, the story, I'll tell a little bit of the story. I won't say how it turns out. It's uh it's interesting because it deals with a lot of mental health issues. Ah. Uh and basically he he has an assignment from his therapist that he has to write a letter to himself about what the day is gonna be like. And there's another loner kid that kind of is like not doesn't have many friends, and he's kind of bullied and kind of acts out in certain ways, and he's kind of a bully himself in some ways. But he takes the letter from Evan Hansen and then he has it on him. And later he commits suicide. So then, the main character or uh, the this other loner okay, okay character. I don't remember the name, so okay. forgive me. Uh, there's all these Broadway people who are gonna listen to this and be screaming at me. <laughs> but um, but he ends up killing himself, and they see the the letter. The parents see the letter on him that says "Dear Evan Hansen." So they think by this association that he and Evan Hansen were friends. And instead of coming clean right away. He sort of lets this idea go on for a while, and he's 
he tells the parents that they were friends and he's telling they they they're look they're grieving and they're looking for comfort and they wanted to know more about their son that they lost and he's providing it he's almost like making up a story of how they were friends when they really weren't right okay so there's this whole ethical thing and obviously it comes to a head but as I'm watching it, I'm watching the movie through the eyes of a mentalist who keeps themselves on the certain line in terms of ethics when it comes to this psychic entertainment thing. And I'm just drawing parallels all the way from this movie to what psychics do when they're trying to contact loved ones that have passed and help those who are grieving. Okay. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. There's that debate, and I, I've heard psychics talk about this and, like, what they're doing is helping those who have lost one find some comfort in their lives and move on that way. But as you see the story evolves in Dear Evan Hansen, is kind of like you see the repercussions of what that does when you are changing the past and the memory of that person and making up and fabricating things about this person that wasn't really there. And I think that's the ethical line that is why I'm very against this whole psychic idea of contacting dead ones, all these shows that are popular, Long Island Medium, Celebrity oh, Medium, very, yeah, all right. this stuff, because they're they're making up <laughs> information about people they don't know just to help the people that are still around grieving them. And it but they're not really helping them is the point. Is the point, because they're extending a natural grieving process that people have to go through, but they're also changing that memory. And I think that memory is all you have, and that's the precious part of, you know, <laughs> the, the, of, of people's relationships. And if you're telling something, it could change everything you know about them if you believe that the psychic is for real, you know? I, I do know, and I'm very much against it as well. Um, and here's the thing. I never really talk about it with people because I have a hard time. I'd be interested to see this movie, but because I have a hard time articulating why there's harm done mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. this. It's really hard because some people will say, yeah, but if it helps them, it helps them. It makes them feel better. But And I have a hard time articulating why it's not. It, it might be doing more harm than good. Right, right. The, uh, the, you can definitely get the sense, like, what he's doing in this mo movie is wrong. Like, he shouldn't mm -hmm. be, you know, lying to this family that he was, you know, b best friends with their son. Right. Uh, uh, the issue I have towards the ending, which I heard is similar to how the show ends, is just, like, there's obviously a big blowout that happens, and then there's, like, a moment of, like grace that the daughter in the family gives him and i was like no i would never have given him any you know like right. this family should never talk to this kid again like it's pretty right. horrible what he did and they make him sympathetic because he's going through his own like issues and mental health stuff as well of course uh mm -hmm. which kind of tried to soften that blow or justify a little bit of what he did but i still think it's so immoral and right. horrible immoral. that you can do to someone uh, in their family in that time of need, that it's just like that was like this family would never talk to this kid ever again. <laughs> like, right. So, right. Yeah. So anyway, um, I just find I, it was just an interesting lens to view this movie from, from my experience and that you know hot topic of being in you know what I do is for entertainment purposes. I'm very honest with what mentalism is. I'm not talking to you know and trying to. You know, I've had people reach out who are like, can we talk to a, a past loved one? And I'm like, no, I, I I, have past loved ones I wish I could talk to. And I, it's just like, I'll, to comfort me, I remember the memory of them and not right. go to someone else to try and tell me something that might not have been true about them. You know, like that's, that's it's so more unethical. than likely not true. <laughs> Yeah, if, you know? if, if if they had no relation to that person, right? Right. Like, go find someone who actually knew them and ask for stories that you might not have heard of. Like, that was always my strategy. Yeah. You know, like, when my dad passed, I remember asking my mom all these stories of things about him that I didn't know. And just, like, those are the things that you should reach out for. And I think that's that's what this family was trying to do because they thought, oh, this is someone who knew their 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 son. 
Mm. But he perpetuated that lie, and that's, I think, so one of the worst things you could do. So I think that's a big part of uh, what's wrong with it, right, is that the psychics are generally preying upon people for their money that have nowhere else to turn many times. Yeah, yeah. They don't have that person to ask, and then they end up there, and they end up just getting information that is, you know, cold red or made up, essentially, or so. Well, I definitely, I mean, it, and it, it's a gut-wrenching movie. I mean, there's some definitely, like, tear-jerking moments. And uh, so I definitely recommend it. I think it's interesting and important for people to see uh, this. And the songs are pretty gorgeous, too. So, they're, like, there's some awesome. really great, great songs. So I do recommend the movie. Uh, again, the, mo- the the movie version, you got to get past that Ben Platt looks so much older. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. but if you can do that and, and see the story for it is, I think there's a lot of lessons and morals, especially if you're someone who's, you know, considered the whole psychic thing for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know, that that side of it, other than just for, you know, seeing a mentalist do some fun entertainment, like, hey, we're going to read your mind kind of for fun, for funsies. Right, um, right. for funsies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> title of the episode for funsies <laughs> read your mind for funsies yeah. <laughs> so yeah. anyway i just wanted to touch on that because uh i know the movie's going to be coming out if it's not al- out already uh to see yeah, and and people are going to react to it and have thoughts and uh i think uh just to, if you can compare that to the psychic experience and uh it'll it'll be very telling awesome no, thanks for sharing that. It sounds kind of gut-wrenching. I think it's one of those things you got to be in the mood to watch it, maybe. For me, anyway. Yeah, yeah. And again, mm-hmm. those, those, there's some real earworms. Uh, you'll be singing songs for a while uh, mm-hmm. once you see it as well. <laughs> so, uh, and I, I really wish I had seen the, the, the Broadway version now just to see what that was all about. But, uh, but yeah, check it out. Dear Evan cool. Hansen. Well, this is uh, thank you for another amazing episode to you, to everyone listening. We've got a couple of goals to get into and maybe a plug or two. And next week, by the way, we got to get into prop maintenance, something nobody's talking about. A little yeah. teaser for next week. No one we'll talks about prop maintenance. We're going to get into it. Yeah, I just had a show. Uh, I had a show at University of Delaware, which was great. Very fun audience. The show started at 11 p.m., Matt. It was oh, a, late, a late one. It's late a late one. one. Even for Vegas, that's a late one. Yeah, it was an 11 p.m. show in their little campus center or student center, and I drove back to New York after. Jeez, <laughs> so, that's one of those ones where people are sitting in the audience, right? Like, I can picture myself in the audience going, I know this is funny, but I'm just not laughing right now. I'm so tired. You know, oh, no, they were, they were up. Because oh, they, they were, were great? All, they were, yeah, they were a fun audience. and they were. Oh, like, I'm just old then. Yeah, they're college they're, kids. <laughs> they were college kids. For, <laughs> a lot of first and second year students. So they were like. This is their pregame. Yeah, exactly. They were going to be up all night. But um, it was just one of those moments is like at the end of my show, um, one of the name tags I use for my finale just has been through some wear and tear and just ripped right in half during the reveal, which was fine. It still got the, the moment, but I was like, just as I was watching that happen, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to fix that before the next show, aren't I? <laughs> That's what inspired the prop maintenance, isn't it? Exactly. Very exactly. cool. Well, yeah, we got to get into it next week for sure. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that. Uh, goals, Matt, you had uh, that you were doing a lot of things, trying to delete things off your calendar, get a yeah. trivia book, and sleep. Yeah, I got the sleep done. Yeah. Now, I, I'm a little bit annoyed with myself for having these <laughs> trivial goals that I'm also not even achieving. Trivial goals that I'm not even doing. I feel like I, you don't even remember them until I bring them up each week. I remember the trivia book thing because I haven't done it. <laughs> All right. So the trivia carries over perhaps. But mm-hmm. listen, I'm going to give a real goal this week. I'm putting okay. together. A, I want to make sure I come up with some decent magic routines. I've got to do uh a talk show in a few days and i want to make sure i have some decent routines for it but not only that i don't want to get lost in the moves right we talked about this earlier i want to make sure that um you know the personality comes through and whatever the point of view comes through i want to make sure all of it feels right and in the moment and not just get caught up in whatever the effects are that's good that's good focusing on that yeah that's a great goal uh, I also had as my goal catch up on sleep, and uh, <laughs> which I did, and then also and rested my ankle, <laughs> which became a goal. Uh, but also to get up at an open mic and try out some of this the new jokes I've been reading, and I did. I went to the open mic. It's been save so that for long. next week too. I want to hear all about it. It's been so long. Well, I'll probably jump onto a few more. And the one thing I'll just say because it's been a long time since I've just gone up and done straight stand up without 
and like relying on my mentalism or whatever. Right. Uh, I just want to say a lot of things didn't hit. (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah, that's cool to know. Some stuff did. But also at the same time, I'm thinking open mics are so tough because it's all comics just waiting to get up and for their time. Right. And then I was like, oh, if they're not laughing at the things that I think are funny, should I really take offense? Because... A lot of them that when they performed, I didn't think were funny at all. So maybe it's a different sense of humor. <laughs> mm, when here's the thing: just because they don't laugh doesn't mean it was terrible. But when right. they do laugh, I think it might mean that it was great. That that's a good tip. Yes, I think so. I think so. So uh, you can uh, check out um, where I'm going to be traveling just on my social media. Uh, and if you want to book me for shows, visit ericdittleman.com. Also, uh, I, before we get to your plug, which uh, well, just go ahead. Do, do your thing. But I want to add something for our listeners. Go ahead. I was just going to say uh, Link Hotel and Experience. Matt Franco, Magic Reinvented Nightly. Come on and see us. We are having a blast. The show is uh, better than it's ever been. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait. I'm still trying to get out to Vegas to see uh, the updated version of the show. Very thankful for our audiences and their energy. I'm just uh, I'm, I'm moved every single night. I really am. That's awesome, man. And if you forget where Matt is for some reason, just Google Matt Franco Vegas. I'm sure it'll come up. Buy your tickets, Ticketmaster, or from MattFranco.com, right? Matt with one T. But what I wanted to say too is we're gonna we want to plug this podcast even more and get you, your listener, you're listening to the end. You've listened to the whole thing. You're with us. Find someone else that you think would like this podcast and recommend it to them. Yeah, don't be, be like, selfish. Hey, you don't check have to it keep out. it to yourself. They yeah. might like it too. And you know, sometimes it helps to spread a little bit of joy, spread a little bit of uh, value. And I think a good intro is take a riddle from your favorite episode. Mm. pose it to a friend Mm. see how they do or ask a trivia question that you heard and then tell him where you heard it and then tell him where you heard it and then say if you like that but also talking about magic and mentalism and new york and vegas showbiz and what it's like to be a entertainer in today's world the day-to-day stuff uh tell them Check it out if they think it'll be of interest to them. And help it Absolutely. Out. It'll help us out, uh, grow our listenership. It will also uh, help us out if you, uh, if you are listening to this and are enjoying it, if you write us a review and uh, give us uh, five stars on any of the, uh, the platforms you're listening to this right it's now. It's also really cool to have something like to talk about somebody with, right? Like if we're talking to go, oh, you've seen that show? Or, oh, you listen to this? Yeah. Now you, you can jam on it with another person if you, uh, if you tell a friend. That shared experience. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's what we're here for. Thank you so much. If you want to write to us, hit us up at mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com or find us on the socials at mindmagicpod. Thank you so much for listening. We couldn't do it without you, but I couldn't do it without you, Matt. It was good talking to you. I couldn't do it without you. This is a touching moment. I love it. (laughs) I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See ya.